It's really an incredible privilege to be with you guys. I love your pastors. I love Ross and Al. Don't you appreciate them? I mean that. They're amazing. I, um, I uh, of course, have been around them for years. And then uh, as Ross and I have been serving on the board with Link together, I've gotten to know him a lot more. And I'm just, I want you to know, I'm not, I'm not his daddy. Obviously, he's got a good daddy. I'm not his big brother. But I want you to know, I really am proud of him. And I'm really proud of you guys. It's really, I know I haven't ever been here before, but my heart's been here for a long time. Like, I've been involved in just praying for you guys and seeing what God's doing. And his church has grown. And you guys are doing things. And I'm going to tell you, one of the things I love about your church is everything that I just saw in the know. How much you guys are doing in the community. Amen. Matter of fact, at our church, Life Mission Church, we're all about mission. Matter of fact, this is our little statement at our church. Our mission is go. Love God and love others. That's it. We're called to love God and love others. And the way we do that is living a lifestyle of intentionally receiving the love of God and looking for every opportunity we can to reveal the love of God. Amen. And so you guys are doing that in so many ways, and I'm so proud of you and really honored to be with you guys today. I, I want to just uh, kind of introduce you a little bit to myself. I'm, I'm almost 53 years old. I've been in ministry for uh, many years. I spent my first few years involved in missions, and then I spent about a decade in youth ministry working with teenagers, and I worked with at-risk kids for for a little while, and then I was a youth pastor at a local church uh, for, for many years, and then I was actually up here in Michigan, and Pastor Dwayne, you guys know Pastor Dwayne, right? He, uh, he really was the first one that challenged me to consider being a senior pastor, and I was like, no way, I am not a smart man, like, I am not doing that, and, uh, but he really believed in me, and I had several others as well, and so we were commissioned in 2002 to plant our church, Life Mission Church, in Kansas City, which is my hometown, in 2002, and God has blessed us. It's been amazing. Over the years, we've sent missionaries all over the world. We've helped plant seven churches. We have three campuses in the Kansas City area. We also helped to start the Dream Center there in our city as well. So there's all kinds of things going on in our city, and uh, so I bring greetings from our church, but also I want to just introduce you to my family. I've been married to my beautiful bride for 33 and a half years. This is a picture of my family right here, and so yeah, you can give them a big hand. Um, so we have six kids. My oldest is 28, almost 29. She works for a ministry that is in Israel. They work with a lot of, in the Middle East, reaching uh, people that are far from God, and she's amazing. She's been home lately because of COVID, but she's getting ready to go back. And then I have a daughter that's 26. She's married to our worship pastor, and she's carrying my first grandchild. Come on now. And uh, that's going to be my Christmas present. Judah is his name. I've been talking to him in the room. I'm like, hey, Judah. And my, my older son named him, uh, named me, I'm Pops. I'm like, hey, I'm Pops. And, uh, but anyway, he's coming just before Christmas. We're really excited about that. And then I have a, a son that's in college. You'll hear about, more about him later. Then I have a daughter that's in high school. And then we have two that we adopted from Ethiopia. They are 11 and 12. And so uh, they're either making me older or keeping me, keeping me young. One of the two, I don't know. But uh, that's my family. And, uh, and, and they loaned me to you for the day. You guys good with that? You guys grateful for Jesus? Anybody grateful for Jesus? Only about a third of you. How many of you guys are grateful for Jesus? All right, good deal. Second service just, just killed you. I mean, they just were like, yeah! They were wild. I don't know, you guys, are you, are you grateful for Jesus? Oh, okay. I am. I'm going to tell you what, I am so grateful for Jesus. I'm so grateful. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up reading the Bible. I didn't grow up knowing this stuff. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, my dad, my parents were teenagers when I was born in 1969. 
which is back in the dark ages for some reason. Um, uh, my parents were hippies. My dad's a biker. My dad was in and out of my life. He was in and out of prison when I was a kid. I grew up around a lot of that kind of thug life. And, uh, and so I didn't know the Lord. When I was a teenager, I was real involved in sports. And that kind of kept me on the straight a little bit. But it didn't last, you know. And uh, so I was doing drugs and getting in trouble and doing all those things. And I actually got a job uh, working at a body shop, working on cars and boats. And uh, my boss loved Jesus. And he wasn't a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary. He actually owned a body shop, right? Like, that's what he did, right? But he loved Jesus. And he loved Jesus enough to love me, right? And so uh, he shared the gospel with me. But more than that, he lived the gospel in front of me, you know? I remember he'd come to work, and uh, he'd come in, and uh, he'd be like, glory to God. He was a big old cowboy, you know, big enough, belt buckle, big enough to eat your breakfast off of, you know? Anyway, he'd, uh, he'd say, glory to God, praise the Lord. He made them mountains, and he made you. And he said all the time. And he, I remember him telling me one time, he said, um, I'm, I got a verse for you. And I thought he meant like to a song, and it was from the Bible. And uh, I just, I didn't know this stuff, you know what I mean? And uh, anyway, his, his impact on my life is immeasurable. I mean, it's just, and he kept inviting me to church, and I finally went, and I was in a church like this, and uh, people with their hands lifted. And I remember in that environment realizing, God, if you are who they're singing about, and if you are who my friend is telling me about, I need you in my life. And I surrendered my life to Jesus then, and it was over 35 years ago, and, and, and I cannot even begin to tell you how amazing it's been, how good he's been to me how much he's blessed me. He began to change me from the inside out. And I've lived all these years, almost 36 years now, really experiencing the grace of God. And so that song that we just sang, I don't know where the worship team is, but that's like one of my favorite songs on the planet because all my life he's been faithful. Amen. That was free. That's not the sermon. I don't even know why I shared all that. It must be for you. It was for you. It was for you. So everybody said it was for me. It's true. We need this, right? So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for Jesus. Anybody with me? All right. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word that it's true. Lord, I thank you that you do what you say you'll do. Seasons change, people change, cultures change, but you remain the same, faithful and true. I thank you that you have a word for us today. I invite your Holy Spirit to come and speak to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So I was wrestling with, excuse me. I was wrestling with what to share here, and, uh, and, and I travel, I used to travel a lot before we adopted, and then I kind of slowed down, but typically when I minister in a church, I'll come in uh, because I'm a help, I help plant a lot of churches, and so I'll be helping them, or I'll talk about the gifts of the Spirit, uh, or I'll in a, be an evangelistic thing, and I was like, Lord, what are you wanting me to do? And Pastor Ross invited me to come, and, and, uh, and, and as I was praying, I really felt like the Lord gave me this phrase, and I want you to hear this. I felt like he said, as a pastor, I I want you to prepare them for the next season. I was like, what does that mean? Right? Like, and, and the reality is this, have you know, we've been in a crazy season. Like we've been in a, I mean, in the history of humanity, this is a crazy season, right? Like it's so many levels. And so I, I, there's a couple of layers to this in my mind. One is, have you know, we're going into a crazy season called the holidays, right? Like Thanksgiving's coming, Christmas is coming, there's all kinds of chaos and expectations and all these things. And then you add to it COVID, right? And then the culture war and all the different craziness. And we, the, this, the last two years have been the craziest. I, I'm almost 53 years old. The craziest years I can, uh, that I've at least been able to experience and really know. But so the question is, how do we respond? 
How do we respond to the COVID crazy? How do we respond to the culture crazy? How do we respond to the Christmas chaos that happens? Where A lot of times what happens is we get with family that we love, but who we don't see the same, we don't see things the same. You know what I'm talking about? Like, does anybody have people in your family that don't have the same worldview you do? Maybe they voted for somebody you didn't vote for. Anybody have that? And and then you add to it masks and vaccines and Oh, it, it's kind of crazy. Like, I'm even looking like, i got to be honest, like, I'm, I'm looking at my, we're having Thanksgiving. We get, didn't get to really have it the way we typically do last year in our home. And so, and part of that was because some of my family were afraid to come to my house. Like, we had cooties or something. And, um, right? And so, we, we, we host now because we have all these kids, and so people don't invite us to their homes anymore. <laughs> so, we, we host. And um, so I, I'm looking at this upcoming Thanksgiving like a cow looks at a new gate. Do you know what that means? I'm from Kansas, right? Like, they're like, I don't know, right? And I'm, so how do we respond to those situations as believers? I think there's some temptation. We can be tempted to pose, just to kind of go through, kind of coast, you know, just kind of let, let or, or we can, some of us are co- uh, tempted to bail, right? Like to bounce, take an exit, right? Like let's just watch football, leave me alone. Like something like that, right? What does it look like for us? And then, and then beyond the holidays as we go, I don't know what 2022 is going to look like, but I know if it's anything like this year or the year before, buckle up, right? Like it is time. So I want to share with you today really what I just felt like the Lord put on my heart. How do we respond to chaos? How do we respond to culture that's a shifting sand? How do we respond to trials? And how do we respond to division and families and culture? How do we respond as believers? And my bottom line I already shared would be, I think our number one response is we've got to live a lifestyle of receiving the love of God and looking to reveal the love of God. Amen? And so the love chapter is found in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not going to unpack that chapter for you today. But, um, you know, in, in there the Bible says love is, 14 of you, love is patient, right? What is it? Love is kind, right? Like we know those things. I have you know, that's a good game plan right there. Right? That's a good game plan. Matter of fact, i got to tell you, I coach. Like, I've been coaching for years. My oldest daughter is almost 29, and I, I think I coached her four year old, four, when she was four years old in soccer. And I've been coaching something ever since. As a matter of fact, i got to tell you this just because I like to brag because I'm a guy. Um, I coach my Ethiopian son. We call him Ethiopian Express, or as some people call him, bye. There he goes. He's so fast. I've been coaching him in football for years, and I started in flag. This year we won our th- third league championship. Come on, somebody, right? And, uh, and, uh, and so anyway, I'm, I'm a bit of a coach. Uh, I actually am coaching a basketball team right now, and I wasn't able to be at the first game. It's fifth grade girls. And I wasn't able to be at the first game, so I was at the airport in Minneapolis yesterday on FaceTime. My son had the phone, and he was right behind the bench, and I was telling my, my teenage daughter, who was coaching the team for me, what to do. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, never mind. So anyway... Um, so I'm a bit of a coach, and I, I, I believe what, I, what, I, what the Lord put in my heart is to give you a game plan for the next season. Have you guys are with me? Okay, so I talked about 1 Corinthians 13, but we're going to just look at kind of the summary of the chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, there, there are things that last forever. Have you guys want to be a part of things that last forever, right? There are things that last forever. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is what? 
It's love, right? So we know this. We can preach this. We can, we can sing this. We get this. But do we live this? Right? Like we live in a world that's temporary. We live in a world that's temporal. And we live in a world that's full of tempers, right? Like so what, what does it look like for us as believers in the chaos of our culture and the divisions in our families? How do we live as disciples of Jesus Christ? I believe this is our game plan. Faith, hope, and love. Can I get an amen? Like my life has got to be defined. Not, uh, my, my faith ought not be something that I use every now and then like an app on my phone. Right? Uh, it ought to be. It has to be the core of who I am. And that faith in who Jesus is and what he did for me ought to be the driver, ought to be the motivator, ought to be the filter through which I do what I do. I say what I say. I respond how I respond. I plan how I plan. It has to come out of the foundation of my faith in Jesus. Amen? Because that's the only thing that's going to last. And my decisions and my planning and my relationships and my priorities and my moral decisions, they ought to come out of the hope that I have. Amen? The hope that I have in Him, and that will produce a real love. Can I get an amen? So those three things are vital for us to embrace as we go into the next season. But there's another word that the Lord put on my heart that I really want to focus on today. And I believe this word will help us with these three. But in fact, if this word is missing, it's hard to hope, it's hard to love, and it's hard to live by faith. And this word is the word grateful. Everybody say grateful. That's right. I wore the sermon title on my shirt today. How about that? Everybody say grateful. You know, it's an interesting word, grateful. In the Webster's Dictionary, if you Google it right now on your phone, what's going to come up is something like this. It's going to come up and say that grateful means to be appreciative of the benefits received. That's pretty simple, right? Like I appreciate a benefit. Like this morning, I'm staying in Granville, and so uh, because I'm, I'm down there with Pastor Bobby, I, I, and I woke up this morning, and, um, and, and it was early. Like it was early for you, but it was even earlier for me because I live in the central time zone, right? And, I, and my flight landed, what was it, 1040 or something like that last night, and I laid there thinking about how my basketball team needs to fix this and this, and never mind. And so I woke up this morning, and I, I Googled, I I, I looked on maps, and I looked for a coffee shop that was open, right? And I found one, and I was grateful. I was appreciative, right? Uh, I was appreciative that they were open. That's, that's, that's the baseline gratitude. That's baseline, right? I'm grateful that you have given me some. I'm grateful that you have helped me in some way. And unfortunately, that's, that's baseline gratitude gratefulness, and unfortunately that's where we live in a culture of what have you done for me lately? What can I get from you? It's a gratefulness that's based on me. What's in it for me? But I want to submit to you today that as we go forward, a healthy game plan, uh, an effective opportunity for us to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be salt and light in a lost and dying world, and to live for what will last, love and joy and peace, wait a minute, love and faith and hope, all those things. If we're going to live in those things, we've got to have a different level of gratefulness. Amen? And so I want to show something to you guys. I got, to, I got to tell you, years ago, about maybe six, seven years ago, I discovered something I, I hadn't been in contact with before. And it's the original Webster's Dictionary. The original, not the one you find today. The original. The original Webster's Dictionary was written by an amazing man of God named Noah Webster in 1828. That was a while back. 
right? And he wrote this dictionary, and he was also a theologian. And so all the words that we know as Americans in our English language, he was a driver for the definition of those words. But have you know, things have changed. There's been a lot of political correcting that has gone on in our vocabulary. So check this out. This is the word grateful in the 1828 dictionary. It says, having a due sense of benefits. What's that mean? Seeing benefits for what they really are. Not as rights, but as gifts. Do you see that? Kindly disposed toward one from whom a favor has been received, willing to acknowledge and repay. I think we get that. That feels a little bit like the gratefulness that we know. But check out the second way it's defined. A virtue of the highest excellence. You guys know patience is a virtue. Did you know gratefulness is as well? It's a highest virtue of it's a virtue of highest excellence. It implies, and this is what really caught me, and this is why I'm reading it. It implies a generous heart and a proper sense of duty. That's interesting to me. When we think of grateful, we think of what we get. But the original definition of the word grateful implied generosity. So it's not just about what I get tangibly, it's about my response to it and how I live. See, when I'm grateful, I'm going to be generous. When I'm grateful, I'm, when I'm grateful for the love of God, I'm going to be generous with the love of God. Amen? When I, so so that, that's the picture. And then it says a proper sense of duty. And when I read that just a few weeks ago, I thought to myself, our generation could use some 1828 gratitude. Can I get an amen? In fact, here's what I wrote in my notes. I think our generation could be the most ungrateful generation in human history. Why do I say that? Well, you know what's interesting is we have more. We have more than any generation ever. I mean, we have more access to information. In fact, my razor, I use an electric razor. And it started cutting my face. That's kind of a bad day, right, when that happens? It started, like, nicking me. I was like, what is going on? I realized the screen was messed up, right? So what do you got to do? You got to get a new, new screen for it. So I went on Amazon, and I ordered it. Guess how fast it came? Two days. Good guess. I got it on the third day, but I think it's because I was out of town. It came two to three days later. I had it. I only had to do the, you know, for a couple days. You go, who cares? I care. My wife cares. She likes the silky smooth skin. We have access to things. Uh, my daughter, she rolled her ankle playing basketball. She needed a brace. I ordered it at 9 a.m. It was there that night. Thank you, Amazon Prime. That was nice. Right? Like, that's the world we live in. We have more than any generation in history. More access, more opportunity, more stuff. Everybody say stuff. We have more stuff, and yet we're the most ungrateful generation in history. So it's not about what you have. It's about what has you. Right? And I, we live in a culture that perpetuates this sense of discontent. Why is that? They want you to buy something. Right? My son's home from college, and he saw my phone. He's like, Dad, you need an upgrade. It's still got the button. I was like, I like the button. But is that not our culture? Like, you need more, right? It perpetuates it in us. I was watching a basketball game recently, and in the same commercial break, 
There was a, a commercial for pizza and a commercial for diet like programs. And I was like, they want me to fatten up so I'll lose it and then I'll fatten up again. I mean, that's the world. You need more. You need an upgrade. And the, that's the world we live in. Here's what I wrote down. We are fat on prosperity and weak on perspective. We're fat on prosperity and weak on perspective. Because see, here's the thing. Gratitude is really about your perspective. If we have a perspective that every breath I breathe is a gift from God, how do you know I'm going to live different? If we have a perspective that every day I live is an opportunity to honor God, I'm going to live different. Somebody said, we, using talent on loan from God. Remember that guy? All of us have gifts and all of us have talents. And if we see them as ours, we'll live one way. And if we see them as gifts from God, we'll live another. Amen? So gratitude's a big deal. Gratitude is a bigger deal than I think I ever realized. Everybody say gratitude. I'm so grateful for this water. Everybody say gratitude. gratitude. <laughs> I would say this. Gratitude is the only reasonable response to God's goodness. My key verse today, I want to read to you guys. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, let us be grateful. Everybody say grateful. For receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Look at the first few verses there, words there. Therefore let us be grateful, what? For receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Where does our gratitude come from? It comes from the fact that this life is not all there is. That I am receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. My culture's being shaken. Our families get shaken. The nation that I love, I'm a constitutional conservative. I'm not, I'm not. But I'm going to tell you something. My nation is being shaken. Matter of fact, all the kingdoms of this world are going to crumble. The only thing that's going to last is the kingdom of God. And so we started today with these three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love, right? And so I don't know about you, but I'm grateful today that I'm a part of a kingdom that will last forever. And true gratitude comes out of that perspective in our lives. First, Corinthians, or First Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Have you guys belong to Jesus Christ? You've surrendered your life to Him. Do you know what God's will is for you? It's for you to be grateful. It's for you to be thankful. But check this out. It says this. It says, be thankful in all circumstances. Those five words. Everybody say, be, be thankful, thankful in all. Everybody say, all, all. circumstances. You know, I looked up that word all in the Greek. You know what it means? All. No, not. To the exclusion of none. All. Be thankful in. Everybody say in all circumstances. Have you got some circumstances going on? Some of us have been dealing with some. We've been circumstanting all day long. Like we're, we're just dealing with we're dealing with tension and frustration and unmet expectations and all these things. And the Bible says, "Be thankful in all." You know what I I notice about that verse that we've got to catch though. Catch this. It doesn't say be thankful for. That's you got to be thankful for the circumstance. You just got to be thankful in it. Now, there's some theological perspectives that would want you to be thankful for it. And sometimes I'm thankful. I can go through a trial on the backside. My perspective can be, I'm glad I went through that because I learned a lot. But that is, I'm not thankful for COVID. Anybody thankful for I'm not. Like, I learned a lot. My family, we played a lot of Risk and, and, and Catan and, 
my kids read more books than they usually read. I mean, th- those things were good, right? But I'm not thankful for it. I'm thankful that for the fact that in the midst of it, there was a grace, right? So we can be thankful in without being thankful for. Can I get an amen? As a matter of fact, so what are we thankful for? We're thankful that we're receiving a kingdom that's unshakable. I said this a minute ago, but I, I really want you to catch this. Gratitude is all about perspective, and it's about priorities. Those two things. Colossians 3 says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Let me say this, you're going to seek something. Bob Dylan said you're going to serve something, right? You're going to seek something. And it says, above all else, it says this, look at verse 2. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. How do you know we live in a generation that is just focused on things of the earth? We live in a generation that's all about the earth. It's all about what's in it for me. It's all about me, 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 me. And those of us that don't think they're living for me, 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 they're living for mother, mother, mother earth, right? Like we're all about this world is all there is. Why? Because they haven't received a kingdom that's not shakable. They haven't received a kingdom that's not eternal. But we have, so our hope is bigger. Our hope is broader. Our hope is eternal. So it says, set your mind on things above. As believers, you guys, we've got to, have you, ever heard the, have you ever heard the phrase where someone said this? They said, don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. You ever heard that? I would submit to you the opposite is what we really need. We need to be so heavenly minded that we are earthly good. By you guys giving Thanksgiving meals to those in need, you know what you're doing? You're being so heavenly minded that you're doing earthly good. You see that? When Lynn reached out to me, the man that led me to the Lord, when he took time to invest in me, he saw that I had father wounds and I'd come out of a culture that I didn't know the Lord. He was so heavenly minded that he saw beyond my attitude, my hair. I had hair. I'm losing it now, but I had hair. My language. He saw beyond those things. Why? He was so heavenly minded that he was good to me. And that's what we're called. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. You know, it's interesting you can set a lot of things. You can set your clock. You can set your TV to record the Chiefs game. Or the Spartans game. Any Spartans in the house? Any big blues in the house? I knew I was in a house divided. I assume that. You can set those things. But you know, you can set your mind. You can set your mindset. You can make a decision. I'm going to focus on this and not focus on that. Set your mind on things above. You know, it was interesting. Years ago, I was reading a book on leadership by Dr. John Maxwell. I highly recommend his stuff. Uh, and he, in the book, he was talking, he made this statement. It was just a simple thing. He said, attitude determines altitude. You ever heard that before? Attitude determines altitude. And I, when I first read it, I thought, oh, he's talking about our, our emotional attitudes determine how far we can go, how, how good we can be. And it was a, the context was leadership. So as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, as a parent, all the areas, as a coach, all the areas, as my attitude's going to elevate my potential. Like that's, that, that's the takeaway, right? What I didn't really realize is that it literally was talking about aviation. 
Did you know that in airplanes and helicopters, regardless if it's the huge commercial ones or the military planes or even the local, you know, little starter kit planes or helicopters, they all have basically six major gauges. Now, they have many more, but it boils down to six majors, and all of them will have at least these six. One of them is called the attitude indicator. Did you know that? I didn't know that. The attitude indicator. And what I found was the attitude indicator is not an indication of the mood of the pilot. Aren't you glad? It actually is a technical term. I looked it up. Check this out. The attitude indicator, the attitude is the angular difference measured between an airplane's axis and the line of the Earth's horizon. So every pilot is looking at those things. And when a pilot gets in trouble... When an accident's happened, many times it's because they get disoriented with the horizon. They begin to think something's true that's not true. They begin to think up's here, but up's actually here. So the attitude indicator helps them to stay in alignment with what? With their future. With the horizon. With what is real. I think that's amazing when you think about it. And you think about it in the context of our own lives. Because as long as we have our sights set your mind on things above, as long as we have hope that, you know what, this life is not all there is. My faith is in nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. Right? As long as my view and my vision and my, my priorities are based on eternity, now I've got my equilibrium. Now my axis is right and I can move forward. It's when I get focused down here that I go down there. Amen? I used to snowboard. Any snowboarders or skiers here? Uh, so I used to snowboard a lot. I'm old now, so I don't. But I, I'm just kidding. But um, I used to snowboard. And if you've ever snowboarded or mountain biked or skied, you know, they'll teach you. One of the first things they'll teach you is don't look at the trees. Because if you look at the trees, you'll eat the trees, right? What? You go where you look. You go where you look. It's true on a bicycle. I, I ride a Harley. It's true on a motorcycle. Whatever it is, you go where you look. So you better look where you want to go. Right? And so our attitude is us keeping our eye on the horizon. Keeping our eye on the hope that we have. Can I get an amen? And so our attitude either reflects, catch this, our attitude either reflects our faith or it calls it into question. Our attitude either reflects, reflects the fact that I have hope in the finished work of Jesus. My attitude either reflects that my faith is in Him and my life is built on the truth of who He is or it doesn't. So the question is, what if we had a gratitude indicator in our own lives? What if your spouse had access to that attitude indicator? Or your kids? If you had an attitude indicator, what would it say? Is your attitude in alignment with the horizon? Is it in alignment with the hope that you have, the promises of God? Ephesians 4 says this, it says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. To put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I love the beginning of verse 23. It says, To be made new in the attitude of your minds. 
Our attitude determines our altitude spiritually. And so we have to make sure we're in alignment with the hope that we have. And so the scripture here literally says that as believers, there's some things we need to take off and there's some things we need to put on. I noticed all of you today chose to wear clothing. Thank you so much. You chose to put something on. Most of you probably took something else off. We don't have to go there. We don't have to talk about your jammies. But we all do that on the daily. The scripture says there's some things we need to take off so that we can put on some things. And we got to put on an attitude of gratitude. Can I get an amen? amen. Let me ask you this. Is it possible for us to follow Jesus with a bad attitude? Is it possible for us to follow Jesus without gratitude? There's a story in the book of Acts. I don't have time to tell the whole story, but I encourage you to go read it. It's a powerful story. The Apostle Paul is on his second missionary journey. He's got Silas with him. They're preaching the gospel. And, and you, at this time, you know, the church is growing exponentially. Revival's breaking out, miracles, but also persecution's coming. And so as they're ministering in this particular community, there's a mob that gathers. Does that sound familiar? And there's false accusations made against them. Does that sound familiar? And so what happened was they surrounded Paul and Silas, and the Bible literally says that they were severely beaten. Severely beaten. Let me tell you what that looks like in the context of that day. It means they would have ripped off their clothes, publicly humiliated them, and with wooden rods or whips, or if they didn't have them, rocks, they would begin to beat them. They would beat them to the ground, and they would kick them and stomp on them. And the wooden rods that they would use would create gashes in their, in their skin and welts and open wounds, and then they would kick dirt on them. Isn't this exciting? That's what happened to Paul and Silas. And then the Bible says they were thrown into prison. So they're in prison. We'll pick up the story. Check it out in verse 25. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. You notice what it doesn't say? Around midnight, Paul and Silas were whining about their circumstances, frustrated. Saying, God, what have you done for me lately? No, it says they were praying and they were singing hymns to God. And check this out. It says the other prisoners were listening. Do you know all the people that are imprisoned in this thing called our lives are listening? Our response to our circumstances don't just affect us. They, they affect everyone around us. As a matter of fact, the rest of the story is so cool. Check it out. It says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. I've always thought this is incredible. It wasn't just Paul and Silas's chains that got but all those that were around them, all those that had been seeing them pray and worship were affected by what? By their gratitude, by their response. I love this story because it is so powerful to see how Paul and Silas responded. I wrote this down. I wrote, gratitude is an outward expression of an inward reality. Paul and Silas had an inward reality that was faith and hope, and love. Their inward reality drove them to respond to a circumstance in a way that is not normal. And I want you to know today, we can do the same. Can I get an amen? I want to give you some tools today. I talked about coaching. I'm going to give you four tools today that will help us as we go into the next season, whatever that means for us. And I believe that gratitude is the key. Gratitude is a doorway into some of life's greatest blessings. Have you guys ever seen Monsters, Inc.? Have you guys ever seen it? I have kids. I've seen all these movies, right? 
I love Monsters, Inc. It's hilarious because the, 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 they open the door and it, they come into a whole new world, right? Like, and so, it's, but you gotta, you got to turn the, the knob and you got to open the door to get there. I'm going to give you four doors today that I believe can be opened with this one key called gratitude. The first thing is this. Gratitude is the door to God's presence. Look at Psalm 100. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. This word gates here is the Hebrew word shahar. It literally means point of entry, gate, door, portal. You want to enter into the presence of God, I'm going to tell you how you get there. You get there through gratitude. You get there too, through declaring your thankfulness for who God is, how God is, what God's done in your life, and the promises that He's made to you. Can I get an amen? And so if you ever feel far from God, let me tell you how to get back into His presence. Start with gratitude. Start with remembering how good God is and how amazing He is. The second door is, uh, that gratitude opens is the door of prayer. Prayer, gratitude opens the door into a relationship with the living God. Look at Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And let your requests be made known to God. So when we pray, we pray. We need to begin prayer, not out of religious duty, but out of relational delight. We pray out of our gratitude. Thank you, God, for what you've done. Great. Thank you, God, for delivering me. For me, my personal story, thank you, God, for delivering me from generational curses of addictions and unfaithfulness in men. Thank you, God, for delivering me from the lies of the enemy. Thank you, God, for delivering me from the pain of my childhood abuse that I endured. I can, I can thank God for those things that he did in my life. And I begin from there, and from there I find strength. I'm in his presence. I begin to pray with authority. Thank you, God, for your promises. The other thing that happens when we begin to thank him is the more promises of God we know, the stronger we are in prayer because we begin to thank him for the promises that he's made. Can I get an amen? Okay, that, that leads to my third thing, which is really key. Gratitude is the door to peace. Gratitude is the door to peace. My parents were all about peace, love. They were. They were all about it, man. But you know what? They didn't find much of it. Because you can't find it in humanity. You can't find it in tolerance. You know what you're going to find it in? You're going to find it in truth because that's where freedom's found. Amen? And so look at the Bible says in Philippians. It goes on to say, I, I just read verse 6. Look at the end. It says, with thanksgiving. And then look at the next verse. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. So listen, gratitude is the doorway to peace. It's the key to mental health. Matter of fact, studies have shown that gratitude is linked to health and happiness. Healthier bodies, healthier choices, happier marriages, happier families. The crazy thing is we live in a culture that stirs up discontent at every level. The media continually tells us we need more. Let me say this, greed and gratitude, they're like oil and water. They do not go together. Philippians 4, keep going in verse 12, it says this, and uh, I know what it is to be in need. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's actually writing this from a prison cell. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I, I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether I'm fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How do you guys know verse 13? How you guys have seen an athlete say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's awesome. I love it when they do that, right? But did you know the context was that the Apostle Paul was in prison and he was saying, you know what? I can do all things even if I don't have stuff. Even if I don't have freedom. I think we can learn a lot from this. How about you guys? 
Paul had learned a gratefulness that despite his circumstances, he could live in freedom because freedom isn't about what's happening out here. It's about what's happening in here. That leads to my last point, which is really the main point. Gratitude is the door to power. Gratitude is the door to power. When I look at the Apostle Paul, I see a power. I see a strength. I see a spiritual growth. Colossians 2 says this, And now just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue in Him. Let your roots go down deep into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong and the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Let me tell you something I've noticed. In 35 plus years of following Jesus, thankful people are different. Grateful people have a strength that others don't have. Look what the Bible says in 1 Timothy. It says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. For you brought nothing into the world, and it is certain you can take nothing out of it. And here's what I've noticed. I made a list. I wrote some things down that I've noticed about grateful people. Grateful people smile more. Grateful people sin less. Grateful people make better decisions. Grateful people don't go in debt as much as ungrateful people. Grateful people don't give up as soon as ungrateful people do. Grateful people are faithful. Ungrateful people are faithless. Grateful people serve. Ungrateful people are selfish. Grateful people are generous. Ungrateful people are greedy. Grateful people see life as a gift. Ungrateful people see it as a gauntlet. Grateful people are victorious. Ungrateful people are victims. So the question is, which one are we? Gratefulness is such a powerful key, you guys. G.K. Chesterton said this, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. So gratitude begins right where we are. I wrote this down. Gratitude keeps us hopeful in tough times and humble in good times. So let's get practical. What would it look like for us to live a lifestyle of gratitude? In fact, I want to give you a homework assignment today. I want to encourage you between now and Thanksgiving, I want to encourage you to carve out 15 minutes. You can do longer if you want. At least 15 minutes, I want you to make a list. I want you to actually write down. If you can't write, just put it on your phone. I want you to make a list of the things you're thankful for. Just start a list. And then when you're done, I want you to look at the list and just be honest with yourself. How many of these things are going to last and how many of them are going to burn? How many of them are temporary and how many are eternal? And then start the list again. Force yourself to begin to look at the promises of God and the plans of God. I started a new attitude. As I told you, I'm going to be 53 in about a month. And um, I started a new attitude when I work out. I work out about four or five times a week, and, and it's just a rhythm, you know. I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to join the Conquerors anytime soon. But I, I've started this new rhythm. Whenever I begin working out, I thank the Lord. I say, thank you that I can do plyo jumps. Thank you that I can lift weights. Thank you that I can run. Just thanking Him that I can do those little things, right? And you know what I've noticed? My attitude in the workout changes, Right? When I was a new believer, I'd gotten kicked out of high school, and I, I never in my wildest dreams would have thought I'd ever be a pastor. I was, I, I'm so thankful that I can read. 
right? So grateful. So, so just thinking about the things you're grateful for changes things. Psalm 92 says it's good to, be thank, to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to Him, to declare His loving kindness in the morning and His faithfulness at night. You know what that psalmist is saying? He says, be thankful in all, all the time. Just live a lifestyle of gratitude. I'm grateful for my kids. My son that's going to Oral Roberts University, he, um, he was a really good football player. He had a lot of opportunities to play at small colleges, but he wanted to go to ORU. He has, he has a vision for his life. He knows who he wants to be, what he wants to do. And so he wants to go there. It's real expensive. But my son's entrepreneurial. When he was 12 years old, he started his first business. It was a mowing business. And I thought it was hilarious because he hired a bunch of older teenagers to do the work. <laughs> That's how he is. He's like, they got to be strong enough to get the work done fast. And so and he's, he's started several things over the years. He's always he's doing something all the time. Anyway, just, just recently, he's had actually in this entrepreneur track, he had to start a business in September, and he had to make a profit by December. It was the assignment. That's his final. Is that hilarious? So he started an apparel company. He calls it I Am Co. And, uh, and it, it, the whole premise is, I, he's talking about I Am. It's, and he said, Dad, this is the mission statement. He said, I want to I create apparel that has simple words. Are you guys catching on here? He gave me this, this shirt. That have simple words that create deep conversations. That was pretty cool. So they have things like chosen and surrounded and given and these type of things, right? Anyway, <clears throat> he gave me this shirt. And when he gave me this shirt, he said, Dad, I, I want you to have this because I want you to know I'm, I'm grateful for you. Yeah, oh, like that got me, like, right? Like it's a big deal when your 21-year-old kid's still thankful for you, amen? <laughs> but when I first put it on, I thought, this, this shirt, by the way, that I'm wearing, it was the inspiration for this sermon, <laughs> I put it on, and I thought, you know, the Bible says in, in Proverbs 4.23, it says this. It says, uh, guard your heart above all else, for from it flow the wellsprings of life. And I thought, you know, my life flows from my heart. And I want my heart to be covered with gratitude. And so I want to leave you with that thought today. What would it look like if our heart, our mind, our will, and our emotions was defined by gratefulness? And then really the next thing is, and I love this because it's a discussion starter. Like somebody asked me, what are you grateful for? Well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Let me tell you, right? Matter of fact, the back says, because I am, because I'm forgiven, because I've been set free. What, you go on and on, right? It's that attitude, that mindset. But I thought to myself, I want people to see gratitude in me, whether I had this hoodie on or not. Amen? So let's go there. Let's just pray. Let me have you just bow your heads for a moment. I just... Lord, I pray today that we'd be a people who are so full of gratefulness that it's obvious. That people will want to know why we have hope in a hopeless world. Why we have faith in a world full of unfaithful people. And why we love and how we love in a world that doesn't even really know what love is. Lord, I pray that we'd be a people that live out of our posture of heart, an attitude that keeps us centered on the hope that we have in you. So much so that it changes the world. Let it start with us. Let it start with us in our families, in our neighborhoods, in this community, in every context where we have influence, God. I pray that a grateful heart would define our lives, our marriages, our just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. 
If you're here and you don't know Jesus, I have good news for you. He knows you. We've talked a lot today about a lot of things, but if you feel far from God, I want you to hear this today. You're not as far as you think you are. Jesus came and he died on the cross for you and he rose from the dead. He paid a price you could never pay so you could experience a life you could never earn. When Jesus died on the cross, he endured separation from God in that moment so that you'd never have to. So that every moment of every day, you could draw near to God. Scripture says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. That's a change of heart, a change of mind. Coming to the cross and putting your faith in Jesus is not about us getting our act together. It's about us surrendering our lives to the one who loves us. And the scripture says when we do that, we're made new. If you've never made that decision before, I want to give you a chance today to do that. You've already heard my testimony. I talked about the change that God brought about in my life. It all began in a church service like this when I said yes to Jesus. I'm going to tell you, it's the best decision you could ever make. The Bible says those who do that, they're a new creation. Old things pass away. He makes all things new. That's what he did for me. And listen, that's what he wants to do for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed today, if you need Jesus, I'm going to pray. Once I'm done praying, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. By lifting your hand, say, I need Jesus. It might be the first time. It might be a recommitment. Maybe you're here and you've known the Lord, but for whatever reason, you've walked away. I want you to know you can come home. His mercies are new every day. His compassion fails not. God is a good God, and he has good plans for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just pray, Father, I pray that you would draw hearts to yourself, that you would do a supernatural work today of salvation and restoration. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need Jesus, just lift your hand so I can see it. Just lift it right up. Just lift it high. Say, I need Jesus. I see that hand and that hand right there and that hand right there. Who else? Just lift your hand high. Say, that's me. I see that hand right there and that hand right there. I'm so proud of you. Anyone else need to respond? Maybe you just know that my heart's grown cold and I want to move back into a lifestyle of gratefulness and living in a relationship with God. Just lift your hand. Say, that's me. I see that hand and this hand and that hand right there. Anyone else need to respond? I'm just going to pray for you right there in your seat. I see this hand. God sees. Maybe you're watching online today. Maybe you're at Lighthouse. I'm so glad you guys are a part. Just lift your hand as well. I want you to know God sees. He knows. Let's pray this together. Everybody pray together out loud. Say, Father, the one who loves me. I, I like it this way. Say, the one who really loves me. <laughs> I thank you for Jesus, his sacrifice for me. And because of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to be the Lord of my life. I'm done living for me. I want to follow you. I put my faith in Jesus, his victory over death, over the lies of the enemy. And because of Jesus, I ask you to set me free, to show me what real life is, to lead me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If this message touched you in any way and you'd like to talk to someone at the church, you can reach us online at rlcbr.org. Search for us on Facebook, and if you're in the Big Rapids area, visit us on Sunday morning at our location in Big Rapids or the church right across the street from Menards.